This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no E's dot com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Transpersonal Radio with Angela Lynn Gibson. Remember, your thoughts upload your reality. Think wisely and always prepare to ignite. Welcome. Welcome to Transpersonal Radio. Transpersonalradio.com. Real talk for real life. Inspiring podcasts. Exploring personal empowerment. empowerment. And transformation. Through parapsychology, spirituality, and how your thoughts Up. upload your reality. And now your host, Angela. Angela L. Gibson. Hey, I want to give a shout out to Steve Schoen an accomplished professional voice actor and audio producer who created my new intro and outro for Transpersonal Radio. Steve is based out of the Sacramento, California area. If you'd like to hire Steve for voiceover work, you can find him at soundsofmyvoice.com. That's sounds with an S, soundsofmyvoice.com. Steve is also an event entertainer and wedding DJ. If you want to liven up your event with a truly talented and fun personality, Check out SacramentoWeddingDJ.com. You can also find Steve on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash Steve.Shone. That's S-C-H-O-N. Thanks, Steve. So I'm sitting here today with John Winger. He's the bass player for local Placer County rock and blues band Lightning Hand and Homegrown Sounds. And he's a practicing Druid here to speak with me today about the Druid faith and practice of Druidry. Before we go into detail, in, in its simplest form, if someone were to come up to you and say, what's a druid? What is that all about? How would you explain it? The easiest way to explain it is that it's a belief in the, the spirits of the earth or the mother goddess. It's about animals and plants and life. It's, it's expansive. It's one of the few religions that are uh, belief systems that allows you to take into consideration all the other spiritual systems in the world. Interesting. So I always hear a lot about the Green Movement lately. This is like the big deal, you know, environmentalists, the Green Movement. And I was doing a little bit of research on Druidry, and it sounds to me like the Druids were environmentalists before environmentalism was cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick a place to start. When you start out with the early Druidry, the Celts were, were nomadic, and what they did was they would move from place to place and never take more than what they needed. And that way, as they moved and through the seasons, they would basically gather food and animals, and then as they moved, it would replenish behind them. So it was kind of a cycle. They weren't. They didn't overpopulate the tribe or the clan. Was always kept at a certain size. And yeah, they were very much a uh, imbalance. I guess. I guess that's the best way to say druidry is, is, is imbalance with with nature. That it reminds me of a lot of the Native American Indians when they would plant and harvest. They would do circular crops, and they would split that up into quadrants. And one year they would plant, say, in, in one quadrant, and then the next they would allow that soil to replenish. Next season they would do a different quadrant. So oh, it sounds yeah. similar. Oh, 
Oh, absolutely. And and my belief of Druidry and what I've learned from it is I've seen it to very much match or go right along the same lines as the Native Americans. It's, in, it's incredible, the belief systems, the different deities and spirits, and uh, although they different names, the descriptions are, you know, almost identical. So how do you feel about the news recently where they were talking about the Druid faith is finally recognized as an official religion in the UK? I think that's exciting. I think that anytime that they allow for change in certain somewhat sometimes constricted thoughts, it's nice to see that they've opened, uh, I feel like there's an opening of the minds. I was I was fascinated at that because uh, again I don't know a lot about the Druid faith that's part of what we're doing here but what little I do know I mean uh, Druidry has been practiced in in uh, at least in Ireland for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and so I find it interesting that the United Kingdom it took until the year 2010 to for the first time in history <laughs> recognize this faith as an as a true religion oh absolutely and and the and the druid faith or the, the the belief system has been around with the celts for forever i mean it, it moved up through europe and then it moved over into the islands and the scotland and the wales and you know each uh, region you know ireland scotland and wales and england they all have a little bit of a different outtake, but it depends on the flora and fauna of the area as to what some of their belief systems and some of the things that they uh, they do. It's hard sometimes to put what Druidry is into into simple terms, because I'm sure that there's other people out there that follow Obad, and there's all the different types of fellowships that claim Druidry. And I think that all of them, if that's their belief system, are right, because that's mm -hmm. that's my belief about Druidry, is that it's, it's open-minded. That's one of the things that I wanted to ask about, too, because there seems to be, there are Celtic Druids, and there are the Obad Druids, and there seems to be a difference between modern Druidry and cultural Druidry. So can you kind of help me wrap my brain around all these different factions, if you will, of the Druid faith? I've done more of, it's called Gwynethian, and it's more from Wales. That one really, when I finally found someone that was practicing that and I went and studied with her, she was fabulous and it made a lot of sense. Um, it went back a lot further than some of the research that I was able to do and, and such. And uh, Obad is a little bit different as, as I've noticed that they use four corners sometimes in ritual, which is really Wiccan or witch or strega or whatever the, the different types of uh, witchcraft are but i as a druid i i worship the land sea and sky and we have an altar and we open the altar and we talk to the ancestors and we talk to the elements and we we talk to the trees and we listen to what nature has to say to give us direction because if you look at what's happened to the world it tells you what to do, whether it be a plant, a person, or an animal. It all ties in together, well, at least for me it does that way. I think I find that fascinating too because uh, you, you're referencing sort of a triad. You have your three sides or three points of a triangle, whereas some of the Native American religions, they still have the four, or some of the uh, Chinese will still use the four elements. Mm -hmm. And, and then in Wicca, as I understand it, you would have five. Five points of the... Five points, right? Star. So, yeah, so you would have earth... Air. Air. Water. Water. Fire. Fire. And spirit. spirit. Okay. Correct. So there's some overlap and yet some difference. 
Absolutely. And those are the basic elements and the basic way that most pagans believe. Once again, there's, I mean, there's a give and take on all of them. Although when we do ritual, we do land, sea, and sky, we acknowledge all four of the elements. So it's well. comprehensive. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like building something up, you know, from the base. You start with something and it builds up and, and outward. Because, I mean, we do specific rituals to different the water elements or we'll call to the elements of fire to wind but when we do the land sea and sky the land is the mother earth the, the sea is the water from which we came the sky is our ancestors once you've done that and you've opened up your ritual area then you depending on the time of year you take time to to say your, your thanks to the different deities and depending on who the deities are depends on what you you present to them. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the difference between Druidism, Paganism, Shamanism, Wicca? And I know that's a, a huge topic, but I know, uh, for example, and we're going to get into this in a little bit too, um, but some of the myths and some of the misconceptions about Druidry, I know a lot of people think of Druids as um, all these rogue figures who have altars and do rituals, so it must be some kind of witchcraft. You know, what's going on? <laughs> oh, right. Well, you know, if you go back to the earliest time, and, and even in Christianity, there was sacrifice. You, you, you want to look for it, you're going to find it. So all of the original tribes, the seven or eight original tribes all did ritual. They all did sacrifice, whether it be animal or human. And so it's just who stopped doing it first was was really what it's about. So, I mean, that that's the one thing about, they, they try to make the paint the Druids as, uh, you know, the only ones that were doing that. And it's like, yeah, personally, I will admit that I think that that sacrifice went on. But I don't think that it was uh, not just the Druids. It no, well, the, the Aztecs did it. The Mayans uh, did it. Yeah. The early Mesopotamians, system. all Absolutely. of them. Yeah, Absolutely. They all, that's what I mean, they all started off yeah. with it. But the, the difference between some of the different uh, styles is, is a lot of it is is when it was originated and um, how it's changed. I have some friends that do strega, which is an Italian form of, of witchcraft, which is very close to Druidism. And I'll actually write a little bit. It started over there in Europe and Celts, and who knows, one went to the other. Who, sure. who knows which way it went? So they're, they're, they're kind of more of a traditional witchcraft and herbs and that type of stuff. Lots of healing, lots of energy um, movement. The the Wiccans, I I have I have lots of friends that are Wiccans and that and I've read a bit about it and it wasn't the direction I was I wanted to take. My heart was in druidry. I felt like my ancestors were involved in that. And the Wiccans are a little bit newer and I actually have some friends that uh, wouldn't mind talking to you as well about it. And Absolutely. A much better to. in depth uh, perception of Wiccans. I don't want to misrepresent anybody, but the but the Wiccans and the witches and everything, they mostly have the four corners and they call to the corners and whereas that's where I believe that the Druids opened an altar and then they did their, their ritual. But the Druids they were everything to the culture of the Celts. They were the like the magistrates, they were the law, they were the judges, they were the religious leaders, they were the healers, they were advisors to kings. You know, one of the things people talk about Merlin in the movies, and really, Merlin is a title. 
It's called the Merlin, and that's the top druid of all. Oh, that's fascinating. The whole area. This is the head druid, and I'll get into some of this. And one of the original stories about Talesen, which is one of the original druids, and there's quite a few good stories about that. I could I could tell later on, but that's that's what some of the differences. I mean, they have Asatru, which is more Norse and the god, the thunder gods, and the and they're a very interesting group. They they have a good time. So essentially, what it is is it's a little bit of a difference in belief system and time frame. Whereas the Wiccans are anything within the last fifty years is new. I, I don't know when it was all brought together, but uh, it was you know fifties, sixties when it really started manifesting and they started creating it. So you've, you've touched a little bit on the history of the Druid faith, and if you could give us a little better overview, I'm guessing that a lot of the earth religions or the nature religions originated from shaman roots, from native indigenous peoples in whichever country you're referring to. But I think if I'm not mistaken, most of them can be traced back to shaman or early pagan roots. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the shamans played with herbs. They saw what they did to animals. They was, once again, druid, watch nature, see what it does, see how it heals itself. A dog doesn't feel good. See which plant in your backyard it eats. You know, that tells you what type a plant might help your stomachs. And we've lost, as human beings, I think we've lost the ability to go out and say, okay, I need to do this, or I need to eat this plant, or this plant, you know, what I bet if I I rubbed it, it would feel good. We've lost, I think, some of the touch with that. And that's why I have become a druid, is to understand my time interaction with nature and how it can heal me. I mean, people often have cravings, oh, I feel like eating this. What's your body? It's, it's your body is telling you something. Can't help but say this, but the world is telling us something. Yes. And she's not happy. You bring up a good point because I don't think there's any denying the fact at this moment in time, there is a heightened vibrational level that is a reawakening or an awareness that we need to get back to root. We need to get back to nature. We need to heal the environment, heal ourselves. Step back for a minute, breathe, (laughs) and think about the impact that we're having on one another and on the planet. And I think it's beautiful the way you sum up with the Druid faith that that is the premise. And, and, and that's another point that you bring up is that if there's people out there that are searching right now, that's why all these little groups and different styles of, I call more spiritual groups, and I consider all, all the different types of Christian, you know, Catholics and Pentecost, all these, all those are, those are all different things, such as all the different types of pagans. They're all a bunch of spiritual things. And, uh, you know, I found also lately that, that a lot of the groups are, are really starting people pouring in and nobody knows what to do because as a society, we've, for, we've forgotten that we're all tied together and, you know, a loose knot comes untied. You bet. Absolutely. Talking about some of the myths and misconceptions about Druids. Uh, we covered that a little bit. Druids are, are not Wiccans. And in fact, uh, probably it would be safer to say that Wiccans may have taken some of their practices from early Druid uh, faith or belief systems. Oh, yeah. And even if at one time 
Some Druids engaged in animal sacrifice or human sacrifice. It's no different than any other early religion that did the same thing. It's not something that goes on now. So clearing up the misconception that Druids right. aren't, aren't creating right. altars and sacrificing animals. and, and Yes, that's, that's not... That falls back and it is a part of the religion. And you look at what the sacrifice was for and why it was made. And there's much far better things today as we learn from our errors. <laughs> I mean, there's much better ways to honor the earth, such as, you know, uh, planting a tree or I put crystals in my, and once a year I'll do a ritual, I'll put crystals in all of my herb buckets and, you know, there's much better ways of honoring the mother earth. There are some people out there, without a doubt, that are going to say, oh, Jews are Satanists. I know they are. They they have to be. So, so how do you... Oh, gosh. I know that we've talked about this a little bit before. Let me go back a little bit because I won't get into it too much, but in Egyptian history, Satan was a god that ushered the dead to their final destination. He was not an evil god. Basically, he helped people through the afterlife. And Satan is a Christian perception or belief system that's involved in the Christian faith. Therefore, in my opinion, Satanism it was born of Christianity and has nothing to tie into any of the other spiritual belief systems or religions. To me, it's just take some time and look at something for really what it's worth, not for what everybody keeps pointing and calling. That's valuable advice for just about anything, right? Take a look at something for what it's worth, not what people are calling it. Absolutely. I wanted to talk a little bit about Stonehenge as well. One of the myths surrounding the Druid faith is that the Druids built Stonehenge. But I understand that the Druids who are in that area in the UK, they do hold rituals there, I understand. Yeah, they utilize it because it was... Basically, it was, it was a timepiece, not only a timepiece, but it also, I mean, all the different uh, eclipses and all the different seasons, and each time it passed, it, it cast certain shadows, and everything was set up. It was built in the Neolithic period, which is, I'm not mistaken, over a thousand years before the Druids even set foot on the islands, or the Druid belief system set foot on the island, they knew it for what it was. People are naturally drawn to things that create powers or energies, and I think you set up certain stones like that. Um, the Alm alone, I mean, how did somebody move those stones and put them there? I mean, yes. I've watched a lot of things and read on it. It doesn't, uh, I can't come up with a logical explanation. So, I mean, that's, and that's a powerful thing to know that somebody had enough faith or enough gumption to do that and you bring up a good point it's along one of the energy meridians mm. but we'll get into that <laughs> that's a whole separate topic one of the other myths with the druid faith is the celtic god of salmon and what that entails and you're saying that there is no god per se there is no god in the pantheon it's Samhain. it's celebrated by most of the pagan faiths and it just depends on which faith you follow as to how you celebrate it but, but Samhain is the time of returning to the womb so in other words you're getting ready for rebirth it's it's kind of like when they say the out with the old the old man and the the new baby at the end of the year at the solstice well it's the same idea is that you return into the winter you go inside and you 
reflect upon yourself so easy term you return to the womb and, you, and so when you come back out of your long winter's rest you come back and you're reborn with a new energy and vigor in which to face the issues that you dealt with over the winter so just so i understand where mainstream celebrates their new year's december 31st is new year's eve and then of course january 1st new year's day is is the rebirth of every year for for mainstream so in the in the druid faith Samhain falls. Well, Samhain is actually before the solstice. The, the winter solstice is a right between 23rd and 26th, 27th, usually. It's when the time between day and night is equal. It's the start of the new of the new season. It's the coming out. It's it's the it's the birthing process of what I was talking about before. And it's the same thing. During the solstice we celebrate the birth of the new sun, of the the god and the goddess. And then he grows up and then by the end of the year next year we kill him off and and he goes back into the womb and gets reborn again. So it's it's kinda like a reincarnation. So the actual practices and beliefs of the Druid faith are quite different from the myths. And I want to talk about some of the, the realities of being a practicing Druid. And I know one of the questions that comes up a lot in different faith systems is, are people monotheistic or polytheistic? Meaning, do they have just one god or one being or deity or many multiple gods and goddesses? And so where does the Druid faith fall on that spectrum? Once again, it's based from the original tribes. They believed in multiple gods and goddesses and spirits of the woods and the different trees had spirits. And there's all different types of uh, aspects and angles in which to look at it. But I think Druidism is, is we be- I believe, in many gods and goddesses. It's the poly. We have multiple I have multiple deities that I believe in. I have my two base deities that I connect with the most, which is Bree, or as some people call Bridget. And then there's Fion, which is a god of the woods. And so I follow him. And I pick those two, once again, as part of my initiation into the Druid circle. And when we did my birthing, once again, come back to the birthing thing, we come back after the long, cold winter from the womb, and it's the same thing. Well, during my ritual, I I was rebirthed, and I picked my two that I would follow. And Bree, of course, is artistic. He's of the music, of poem, of muse, of the anvil. So so creation of all the different, I guess, artistic qualities in people, because it's not just one way of expressing yourself artistically. So I look at a lot of different religions, and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say that there's any really true monotheistic. I mean, you, you look at all the saints, you look at uh, how they look at, you know, the Virgin Mary, you look at uh, Jesus, you look at different things, and I look at it as these are some of the ways of the deities and the my deities and gods were created in the system that I believe in. So it's hard to say that anyone just believes in one ultimate power, and I don't mean to offend anybody. I, it's just my um, perception of the way that I view it. Hey there, for you listeners of Transpersonal Radio. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recommend you check out Crush It! Why Now is the Time to Cash In on Your Passion by Gary Vaynerchuk or Mindset! The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash transpersonalradio. 
Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transpersonal radio for your free audiobook. Let's back up for a minute and talk about, uh, you said when you decided to become a Druid and you were initiated into the faith, two questions I have. Again, going back to say the best analogy that I can think of is the Wiccan faith where you have a coven. So I'm assuming that Druids have a group. And and if so, what is that called? And when you talk about the initiation into your group, can you explain a little bit for our listeners what that's about? Okay, the the group that the the style of druidry was the Gwynethian was the one that I was I chose to be initiated into because I believe that the that the system they had fit what my body told me was right for my path of druidry. There's different styles of druidry, and and really I think that the druids really don't have a coven or a real name because I mean that they are the druids. That's what they are. You are a druid. You study. You are taken as a child and study. You don't even reach uh, becoming a druid till after your 22nd year of, of studies. I mean, this is a long process. Children were picked out for certain reasons. Some children were better with nature. Some were better with their minds. Some were better with physical strength. And the druids that I read about took those all those strengths and tied them all in together. So you kind of had this really nice little balanced system of everything from, from justice to marriage to spiritual to herbalism. When you decide to get into the Druid faith as an adult, so you're not one of the fortunate who are born into a family that already has this system, and so you're not you're not raised from an early age in the practice, but you decide later that this is your calling and this is what you want to do, how do you go about becoming initiated and how does that work? My suggestion would be to uh, research Druidry and read about it and read about uh, where your ancestry came from, what you feel is the best for you. There's, there's quite a few groups in the Sacramento or the you know, greater Northern California area that, of pagan groups. If you get into Yahoo, you just put pagan group and out, you'll have hundreds of groups to choose from. And each one has often uh, labels it so you can tell what they do, you know, Wiccan or Shamanic, or, depending on what you're interested in. Or you can do a direct search for Druid. Lots of good books and lots of actually good reference people out there, which I will get into. You know, another time I'll bring, I'll make you up a list of everything, bring it in, so that I don't leave anything out. That would be fantastic. Feel bad about it. So, if one is wanting to become a practicing druid, is it similar to Wicca? And I come back to that because that's the best analogy that I personally have. But is it similar to Wicca in that you can have solitary practitioners, or are you required to belong to a group, or how does that how does the interaction work? Good question. I, I guess when you when I started out, I was I would be considered solitary because I didn't know a lot of the people in the area that were pagan, and so I did a lot of studying on my own. What I found to be true for myself is that druidry is something you really need to be taught, provided with certain quests to do. I guess you would say you have to you know you'd ask questions of the student to, to, so that they went and found their own answers. You can provide them sometimes references and things to go off of, but sometimes it's just go out. One of the typical things I used to do is go out and uh, go to the river and close your eyes and put cotton in your ears and just smell. And I want you to tell me all the things you've smelled because I think we've lost track of fine-tuning some of our senses. And to me, honing my senses to nature had to be 
taught to me by somebody else. And the Druids were big on, on teaching and big on groups. And so I believe that uh, for myself and for, you know, perhaps most people to, in order to move forward or to grow in a, in a Druid society, if that's what you wanted to call it, you would have to study with some other people. Druidry is, is, it had its base in the Celtic belief system. They built it up. But as they expanded, they also listened and said, hey, I like this, I like this, I like this. And they would get together and they would either add it or, or not to their belief system and tie it in. And so it, it's quite... Uh, you know, it's, it's quite expansive, I think, and uh, it doesn't uh, allow for limits. And so, you know, to compare it also to, to the Wiccan, you, you can be solitary once again. You can be solitary, but as everybody, I hope, would understand and realize that, that the power of more than one person you know, with a belief system and wanting to create something, that is what magic is. It's not all about producing fire out of my hand. It's about knowing that there's energies about us and, and that we can manipulate these energies. And each group has a specific way of belief system of doing it. You know, you've heard me say this before. As long as you don't hurt yourself and as long as you don't hurt anybody else and you believe in something, you have a belief system, you're right. I believe you're right. And that's what's so important. You know, my little disclaimer, yeah, I am a practicing druid and I call myself a druid, but not all my perceptions and beliefs are going to fit every other druid's um, ideals. So it's, it's more inclusive than exclusive and yeah. welcoming in ideas and welcoming in energies and working with those energies as opposed to you don't believe the way I believe, so I'm not going to deal with you. Move along. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, the only way you're going to learn is to, you know, ask questions. Absolutely. You know, the question doesn't always have to be of a human being. Yes, good point. So you've touched a little bit on some of the rituals that Druids engage in as far as the solstices, but what are some of the rituals? You, you've referenced, you've indicated that you have an altar. So if you could tell us a little bit about how that works and what it might look like and some of the rituals. I think that most of the pagans all celebrate the basic rituals, you know, the Samhain and, and Beltane. And um, there's four main rituals, and there's eight different periods of time because okay. each between each each main phase mm -hmm. of the season, you know, and it's a circle. You know, it goes back to the so circle. the the rituals that a druid would perform would be in relation to these seasonal events, as opposed to I have a friend who needs healing, so I'm going to perform a ritual for that. Or would that also be included? Oh, absolutely. You can do. There's hundreds of reasons to do rituals, and sometimes ritual to me is I. I'm an amateur herbologist and I will put together herbs or I will plant them during the full moon. There's these little things and, and yeah, once I've done it more than once, it's a, it's a ritual. And I can do, I, I've done rituals for all kinds of things. I mean, my, my, when my grandparents passed, I did a ritual. When, when my son was born, I did a ritual. It, there's um, rituals sometimes aren't always asking. They're, they're, they're celebrating. It's Ritual to me is 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 it's it's a, it's a celebration. It's a time for happiness. Some rituals are also you can do moon phase rituals. You can do the, the any of the eight main rituals, which are really four of the the mainstay rituals, which are all fall on the same as the Christian uh, you know religion. Imagine that festivals. <laughs> yeah, we will. We, we can get into that. We'll get into that uh, another uh, time. Uh, yeah, a little bit later. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what? 
from a druid perspective, is the afterlife? And do druids believe in reincarnation? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we believe that uh, the, the people that I practice with, you know, we believe in the, the grassy meadows is where you will hopefully eventually be, end up. But I think that, that we believe you go up there and you go, okay, you know what? I did a pretty good job this time, but I don't think I'm done yet. Or the decision could be made for you if you are certain people, I think, are young souls, you know, they have only been around once or twice, they haven't been around four or five times, which is also a part of the belief system that I have. And then eventually when you feel content, I think it's, it's probably a, a content feeling because, you know, there's certain things I do see or, or say even sometimes or hear and it just, it, this wash of contentment comes over me. And for me, when I, I, I think that I'll be ready when I have that 90% of the time. I don't have it that much. Okay. I'm so, on my journey. So you're still on your journey and you'll be coming back again. <sighs> oh, I, I will be back again. Absolutely. Now, in the Druid faith, and this might also be personal opinion, I don't know where the line is between the overall Druid belief system and your personal belief system, but reincarnation is a subject that personally fascinates me, so exploring that a little bit, do you believe that you get to choose the, so to speak, um, blueprint for, mm. for your return? So you get to choose, if you're male or female, you get to choose sort of uh, what's going to happen or the lessons that you are going to work on? Wow. Or do you think it's just more of a, a random event? Well, that's a good question. Well, uh, I think that when you decide to come back that there are, there's something out there that's more powerful than me and I'll, I'll, I'll give it up to it to tell me what to do. I, I figure that, you know, my best thinking got me into some of the trouble that I got into <laughs> when I was the youth. I think it's time that I, I, I make sure that I, I check my thinking. And if the question was asked of me up there, I'd say, do what you want. Here we go. You know, other words of wisdom, new adventure. <laughs> you bet. What is the Druid faith opinion of creationism? Is there such a thing? Do you have a creation story? That's a good, that's another one of those good questions. Once again, I, I, we believe system that I believe belong to. We believe that, uh, you know, everything runs in a cycle. So yeah, the, I, I go in, I'm going personally with, yes, I believe that the world was created and life came about and it, it, it evolved into what we are today. And I can't help but think that there's got to be other places out there because these, this world will be gone. It will be gone. Not in my time and probably and billions of years, but it will be gone. And I'm sure that there's other places being created and, and taken away. So I don't, who's to say that these aren't all staging platforms and Absolutely. who's to say when you come back, you don't go to another world, go, okay, you know, you're going to this world this time or this reality or this time period or this, you know, that's one of those things that I just love to say, I don't know. Exactly. And, and you bring up another interesting point. What I've been hearing from you in your explanations is it's a, a nonlinear belief system. So the idea of cycles and things being nonlinear is a driving factor. 
Uh, absolutely, yeah. And I, I think we've gone over this, but I've talked about this before, is that some of religions and faiths have a start and ending point. And I don't believe that. I believe it keeps going and going and going and going. I mean, if you you watch some of the stuff they have on the universe and you just watch it, and it's 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 incredible the things that are happening. We get stuck in, in, in our own realities of this world and our and of our then we go deeper into our own little lives if we don't expand and take a look at the whole universe as being part of the universe and not just part of a world and then a lot of people then they'll make it part of a country and then they'll make it part of a city and then they'll make it part of this and it's the farther removed we get from you know the, the human contact and the universe contact with the less that the, that the, we can hear what the universe is telling us absolutely Divination. Let's talk about divination a little bit. What forms of divination do druids use, if any? And are runestones part of the system? And what can you what can you tell me in general about divinatory practices? Runestones can be used as part of it as a, as a scrying tool. Um, the druids, a lot of the times, the, they would look to like look in the, the fire and see during at the end of the ritual that they would everybody would put something into the fire and they would look at the fire and then everybody would say what they saw whether it be a you know animal figure or something and they could scry through that as well there is a uh, they have a tree alphabet and uh, used to make tiles with the tree alphabet and each one of the trees uh, represents a different I guess thought pattern or the season depending on what you you were trying to find out there's lots of different methods today. I use I have a thing called the Animal Druid Oracle cards, and uh, I use those to do readings and to do scryings. I, I try to stay away from too much future reading because I think that that's I'm not supposed to be uh, messing with that too much. It's good to get warning. It's it's good to get you know insights into what might occur or, or what you might want to do. But I don't think we I don't want to know what's going to happen because then I can try to alter it yes. and I can screw things up pretty good. Yes. What kind of symbolism would you say is most prominent in the Druid faith that someone, if someone were to see a symbol, they would say, oh, that's a Druid? Well, it, I know you know the Tree of Life symbol, which is the one that I wear on my neck is, is an oak tree and it shows the oak tree, shows the foliage on the top, shows the trunk and it shows the roots, which is the Tree of Life, which is all through the world i mean you can't i cannot just say that's you know druid or celtic but what it, it talks about is is it's talking about that the the roots are our ancestors where we came from and then the trunk is where we're at in our lives right now okay and then the foliage and the tree atop is is the the reaching spiritual enlightenment which is the combination of the two and i was talking about the spiritual enlightenment and it's for me it's it's and this is going to sound cliche, it is, it's, it's a journey of it. It's not trying to reach a point, because if I make my spirituality a point, once I reach there, what am I going to do? You know, I could set out the goal, but if I just say that my spirituality is continuously growing, then I can just keep going and going and going, you know? And I think that's probably more realistic, because I don't think any one of us can ever know all there is to know. I don't think that's possible, and at least I would hope not, because for me, it is the journey. It is it is learning all the time about something new, a different paradigm, a different thought, a different way of doing things, a different belief system. That, to me, is, is the driving force of life. 
Oh, abs- yeah, absolutely. And it's and it is it is circular to me. It is circular very much. I just don't I just don't understand sometimes why we can't people can't come together. I know all these people are searching for the spiritual thing out there and I'm glad you started this this blog and this um, webcast because it's going to allow more and more people to to reach out there and try to find what's good for them. You know, I'm I know Druidry works for me great, but find just find something that uh, that touches your heart and your and your spirit and you know close your eyes. <laughs> Cotton in the ears and close your eyes. <laughs> so, do you focus so back to that actually? Because that was really interesting. Do you of the the uh, six senses, if you believe in the sixth sense, also? Oh, yeah. Do you, as a practice, when you're going through your your practice, do you choose one sense to focus on at one particular time to develop it, to hone it, to be able to become tuned in? I think that. That yeah, I think when I teach, it's it's about learning new ways of using each one of your senses, and then you just incorporate them all together, mm-hmm. and and you and hopefully that'll open up. It's like opening. People talk about opening chakras mm-hmm. and the different chakras. It's, it's the same kind of thing to me. Is is that you just become you know more and more aware of the different things that are out there? Because some people don't. It's it's funny. We've got caught up in visual. I think sometimes as a as a society too. We we see something and we don't bother to take all the looks at all the all the different aspects of it make something three-dimensional so it's two-dimensional absolutely so this has been kind of an overall primer an idea of what the druid faith is all about and uh, i know that you used to teach uh, classes in druidry so i would like to invite you to actually uh, in future webcasts, we'll, in future podcasts, we can go over your uh, classes. Absolutely, I uh, and you know all the stuff I've I've gotten, I've accumulated and learned has been from people that I've listened to. So, you know, I will have to give credit to quite a few people for. The, I may have put the lessons together, but the uh, the universe put the lessons out there for me to learn. Wonderful. So if someone is interested in becoming a Druid or following the Druid faith, what's the first step? Uh, I know we can search the Internet, but there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of disinformation. Um, how, how does one find a, a solid, reliable source for learning about the Druid faith? Books and all kinds of things. I mean, the library has some decent resources. But my suggestion is, once again, find your heritage, what, what type of druidry you want to study, and, you know, put your, your mind to that. When I, do the, uh, when I do come back and talk to you again, I will get permission from some of my, my friends and the, my associates, and, and I will uh, provide websites, and I will provide emails and, and names of people that they can contact, but I want to make sure that it's okay uh, with them first before I put it out there. Perfect. And are there any groups that you would recommend to someone just getting started? With the Sack Pagan Net- Network, if you put that into your search, into your, and it, it will come up with there's there's got to be ten different, uh, fifteen different prominent groups in the in the Sacramento, Northern California area. And once again, it's I'm telling you, look at them, read read about them, and then what does your heart say? 
if it says, you know, check this out, then go check it out. There's lots of uh, public rituals out nowadays. And there's a shop called Earth Central in Loomis. I know that Deborah Luna would not mind me mentioning her. She runs this shop, and it is just one of the most fantastic pagan shops there are in, in the area. And there are other shops, too, as well. But once again, I want to wait. Absolutely. Uh, now, if people if people want to learn more about your band Lightning Hand or Homegrown Sounds, where do they go to find you? The electric band, which is Lightning Hand, can be uh, the website is lightninghand.net. And for Homegrown Sounds, which is our acoustic band, you can go to hgsband.com. Wonderful. John, I want to sincerely thank you for taking time to do this. This was great fun. And I know I learned a lot more than I knew when I started an hour ago. And so I just, uh, I really want to thank you. Oh, thank you for having me here. This is absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to having you in the future. We'll start doing some Druid lessons. Oh, I would love to do that as well. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trans Transpersonal Radio. If you'd like to suggest a future future topic or be a guest, visit transpersonalradio.com. Call the hotline at 619-800-6057 or like our page, facebook.com slash transpersonalradio.